0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The New England Revolution finally put up a clean sheet, but it still could not bring home three points on the day as the New England Revolution drew New York City FC 0-0 at Yankee Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Not many highlights in this game, but Georgia Petrovic had some excellent one-on-one goalkeeping on the day, helping earn the team another scrappy yet unsatisfying point. I'm Greg Johnstone, and before I introduce my co-host, I have a quick PSA for our listeners. Addiction is a horrible thing that tears apart individuals, families, and communities, and that's why we want to tell you about AA, Altador Anonymous. If you or a loved one is addicted to playing Josie Altador, please call 1-800-867-5309, and our experts will help guide you on a road to recovery. And now joining me on the podcast, the one and the only, Sean Donahue. Sean, how are you doing today?
1: Man, what a terrible first half we had to witness in this game, saved a little bit by a better second half performance, but um, it, it has not been the best Revs performances the, the past few weeks, despite the fact that they've been getting draws.
0: <laughs> you know, we had a question last in the midweek episode of, you know, this is a very frustrating but fun team to watch. And I said, well, it's better than 0-0. And of course, we got a 0-0 game. I should have known from the moment I said that the next game would be uh, 0-0 on that tiny field uh, in the Bronx. But before we get to the game, Sean, I have a question. The Premier League is over. So we normally don't do Tottenham 20 during the summer. But I'm really confused because I'm looking at the Premier League standings and it says Tottenham finished eighth, which means they aren't even in the Europa League. I think that's wrong. Where did Tottenham actually finish this year?
1: <laughs> you know, this this is a season I would like to forget and never talk about again. <laughs>
0: Well, I I will say you did tell me about halfway through the season to just blindly fade Chelsea and you and I both made a good amount of money uh, doing that. And actually over the past few weeks, you've been giving me a soccer pick and I've been giving you a baseball pick. Uh, And uh, I don't think I've given you a winner in probably 10 or 11 days now. uh, And I think you've given up hope for me. But uh, the fade Chelsea thing certainly helped out our bankroll. And Sean, you know, our bankroll is on BetOnline, the number one source for all of your basketball info, stats, news and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs, which no longer contain the Boston Celtics. Anyway, BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters for this season as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, golf to UFC, boxing, and of course, MLS soccer. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. So get into the action today, head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use promo code BE. L E A V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code believe B L E A V to receive your 50% deposit 50% bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. Sean, let's get to this boar draw i mean boar in bold and and, um, in capital letters here what's your key takeaway from today's game and by the way these key takeaways are brought to you by our friends over at the rebellion go to nerebellion.org to learn more about how you can become a part of supporter culture and how you can join the rebellion sean what's your key takeaway
1: yeah, if I'm being honest, I don't think there's too much you can take away from this game that we didn't already know. There's always the factor of just being on the ridiculous crap baseball field that that New York City FC plays in, uh, which throws a lot of things out the window. But even beyond that, I don't think we learned too much from this game that we didn't already know. But with that said, my takeaway from this game is that Bruce Arena really needs to sort out the striker situation. I couldn't believe when I saw Josie Altidore starting this game. I thought if there was ever a game where Giacomo Brioni was going to get back into the starting lineup— this would be it and it would have made a lot of sense he went with two strikers and the small field with a guy that you know on, on paper at least is a good finisher maybe he gets opportunities to put the ball in the back of the net off of you know fluky situations or off of a long ball there there should have been opportunities in in here for him to you know get get his chances to get strikes on goal so that to me was kind of shocking that outdoor played and i don't think outdoor played particularly well either uh, I think he had nine touches, 50% passing accuracy. And honestly, both him and Wood, some of my lasting memories from this game were just early on where their first touch was just so poor, uh, kind of led to instant giveaways. And when the Reds, you know, when you're playing at Yankee Stadium, there's some sense towards playing Route 1-style soccer and, and you know, kicking long balls forward, especially when New York is outpossessing you. And when they did do that, it just seems like the touches, the first touches from both strikers in this game weren't good enough to, for the Revolution to maintain possession or do anything with it. Um, so, With with all that said, it's just Bruce Arena. I think needs to figure out the striker situation because if, if Rioni can't start over Josie Altidore in the you know 2023 version of Josie Altidore, then Giacomo Rioni needs to he needs to move on from Giacomo Rioni sooner rather than later and put someone else in this roster. It's just it's just crazy to me that you go into this game and, and it's Altidore getting the start. Uh, you know, talk what you will about what their styles are and the skill set, and on paper Altidore should be a better hold up striker. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me, and it didn't play out. In any way that made any sense either uh, these the two strikers were pretty pretty listless in the first half of the revolution of this one
0: yeah and I am really scratching my head I don't want to rehash the rant I had last week in the midweek episode where I was really losing my mind that Brioni didn't come on in the 30 with 30 minutes to go and then they put him on with five minutes to go and they held out Bo I thought he he really botched the striker situation last week this week mm-hmm. I'm He seemed to double down on it. Um, And we got some listener questions here, which I think we're going to touch on. So let's just get to these right now. James Downing says, I'm not discrediting what Josie has accomplished in his career, but he is what he is now. Why would Bruce start or or, sorry? Why would Josie start over a younger guy that you have so much invested in? Um, And I think that is the correct way to look at this. Um, obviously Vrioni is not in the trust tree, but I, I don't understand why Josie Altador is getting the start here. Maybe the the idea was going forty five minutes each. I don't know why you would do that. A lot of people pointed to the fact that Josie Altador's hold up play is better, and he's got a better passing accuracy than Vrioni on the season. Um, and and look, Vionni also you know he did have one appearance here where he played thirty minutes. He got one touch. Um, he's had moments where he is making the exact same run as his teammates. Um, he he does seem a little bit out of funk but with that being said um Taylor Twelman said this on the broadcast he needs five or six starts to kind of get his feet under him and and so you can find out what he he is and and how he can get into a bit of a rhythm Um, a lot of people have pointed out that you know he started against Sporting Kansas City he scored two goals he got he's had one start since then so you're playing two strikers here why Joe there's no real upside to Josie um I I even if you think Altador is better than Vrioni, I don't think he's much better. I mean, and, and I, I think that's not true. I, I think Vrioni is way better than Josie at this stage. So I, I don't understand what the upside was in playing Josie today. Um, and I, I, as James said, why are you giving the start to Josie Altador as opposed to a designated player who, by the way, the other podcast, new England soccer weekly says, you know, what, what, what does it matter if he's a designated player, you play your best lineup uh, if, you have to look at this from a business and a financial standpoint that you've invested $4 million into Vrioni. You can't just throw him on the bench. You have to figure out what you have in him. He's here through 2025 and he has a team option for 2026. You know, he he's with this team two more years unless you're buying him out or unless you're selling him already. And I can't imagine you, what you could sell him for. You can't just have him ride the bench for three years. You have to figure out something with him. So, um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned moving on from Vrioni. I mean, I think we got to give team Leagues Cup. I imagine we're going to see Vriani play a little bit in Leagues Cup and he's going to get his time eventually. But this certainly seemed like a spot where you, you could have given him a spot and see what he could do.
1: Yeah. And we talk about how this team has kind of redeveloped its reputation under Bruce Arena as a team that as an opportunity for guys like Adam Books to come here, play well, go back to Europe, make a lot of money. I've uh, seen other guys like Tijon Buchanan. Yeah, Matt Turner. There's been opportunities, but but books in particular is the guy you look at it that came over from Europe, played really well, ended up in a higher league. And I think Yakmo Rioni saw that, probably thought he could do the same thing here. It, it, this is going to kind of work against that reputation, too. You don't make land decisions based on this, but it certainly is going to hurt the revolution's reputation in that in that regard when they're looking for the next guy from Europe that, you know, 23-24 wants to come over here, jumpstart their career and go back to Europe. <laughs> this is certainly not going to help them do that when they look at what happened with Brioni. And this was, to me, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to do that with the guys that were out. I'm not even sure if Bruce Arena goes with this lineup and goes with this formation, if Noel Buck uh, apparently hadn't gotten hurt before the game and, and was you know, essentially unavailable. I don't know that we would have seen this lineup. but we, we might have only seen one striker. Who knows? Um, but given the situation that they were in, given the guys that were out, this was very much an opportunity to get Brioni in there, build up some confidence, let him start the game and, and see what he can do. And then if it was, was a complete disaster, you, you can pull him out at halftime. Um, but it, 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 to me it's just a missed opportunity given given the situation and it, it's it's not a good look for Bruce Arena it's not a good look for for Vrioni that he hasn't been able to push his way into this lineup but this was Bruce Arena's guy he went out and got him and it, it's just been so far been a failure
0: it's a very damning indictment on brioni and it's a damning indictment on Bruce that the fact that he did put all this money into Vrioni um, and he's I don't want to say he's giving up on him because again I, I think we have Leagues Cup I think Vrioni is going to get his time but uh, th- this would have been the time, and, and I don't understand why Josie Altador is getting the start. It's not even like you're playing a younger player or a player you're looking to develop. Um, it-, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, BCFC also says, "What's Bruce's obsession with Josie Altador?" I have no idea. I have no idea what Bruce sees in him. I I am so clueless on what today was supposed to be. I guess I was trying to think of what the argument is for starting Josie Altador in this game and correct me, d- tell me where I'm wrong with this, Sean could, could Bruce have made the argument that it's a smaller field. Maybe you just want a, a bigger body down there in the box. I feel like with Bobby Wood, you're, you're, you know, they're both going to be playing in the box a little bit. And Josie was kind of moving out wide on, on defense. Carlos, was kind of playing in the center and Bobby Wood moved to the right. And Josie, you kind of play on the left. So, it it didn't really work out that way. You mentioned that Josie Altador had nine touches in forty five minutes. Bobby Wood had fifteen touches in seventy five minutes. So so those guys play touch the ball once every five minutes. Um, I, I I guess the thought process is you just want a bigger body on a smaller field. Does does that make any sense to to this spot?
1: I think that is probably the thought process. But then you look at how it played out. He had zero aerial duels in this game. Not not, not even unsuccessful ones. He didn't even attempt an aerial duel in this game. And it, it was funny, too, listening, you mentioned Taylor Twalman earlier, he kept talking about how you know, Justin Hack is this you know, young, inexperienced center back on New York City FC, and that Josie Altidore physically could completely outmatch him. And he kept saying that if he's Bruce Arena, he would have switched Bobby Wood and Josie Altador, and let Josie Altador take on that matchup. And, you know, to me, there was a lot of logic in that, but Bruce Arena didn't do that. So y- even when you're trying to look at this in the most kind of logical sense of why you'd put Altador out there, you know, it didn't even take advantage really of, of what, of what in theory should be, you know, his best attributes at this point in his, in his career. And I, I, one more stat that we've got to put out there is he played 45 minutes. He completed three passes. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: in the ball nine times, um, you know it it, you're not going to have many completed passes so I guess that that makes a lot of sense I guess the only real major highlight from Josie is Carlos Hill has a really nice cross coming in from the the right wing and you know there is the the path for Josie to get there and he's just not quick enough to get there um uh, I think that was around the, the 25th minute I don't know um Randy LH says what does Vrioni have to do to earn the start over Josie um I don't know at this stage I, I he scored he scored a, a goal against Montreal he scored against supporting Kansas City he he has not shown incredible ability but you, you still think that you, you unless Bruce has given up on any upside in Brioni and he's just going to play Gustavo Bo with Bobby Wood when Bo is 100% healthy maybe that's the thought process I I don't know I don't know what Brioni can do unless he comes off the bench and lights it up and and truth be told he's to be fair to Vironi, and I, I saw some people talking about it. Like he really isn't lighting it up in the minutes he is getting. So I, I get the the thought process that maybe this guy just isn't that good. But again, I don't think we're at a thousand minutes with Vrioni in terms of, uh, in terms of being able to say that. And I think Josie Altador starting over him is a a really really huge knock on him. So my guess is we're gonna see Wood and Bo be the strikers if we see a two striker formation uh, going down the stretch.
1: No, and and like you said, there's a, the upside aspect of it, right? Because Josie Altidore is 33 years old. I I don't think anyone with who <laughs> is any bit realistic expects Josie Altidore to you know lose seven years of age and become the, the player he was you know, seven eight years ago. It's just, uh, that's just not realistic. Josie Altidore is who he is at this point. Giacomo Vrioni, you know, you know, say what you will about what we've seen from him so far. You know, he was the top scorer in the top league in Austria a, a year a year and a half ago. So that doesn't come from from nothing. There's definitely upside and potential from Giacomo Brioni, even if we haven't necessarily seen it yet. And that alone, to me, should get him more minutes over Josie Altador at this point in their careers just to see what you have. And I, I mean, I guess the other logic, too, when you're talking about why I play Josie is the Revs have also invested a lot of money in Josie Altador. Uh, we can't we can't ignore that either. It's not it's not the same Level as Rioni, but it is still a lot of money that they put into Josie Altador too. Uh, so there is some sense where you know Bruce would probably like to show that Josie Altador wasn't a big bust either. Um, but but uh, Rioni being the more expensive player, being the younger player, being the guy with higher upside, it, it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. And there's nothing that Altador has done to show that you know, you shouldn't at least give Rioni more of a run to to see what you have there, uh, even if you know maybe he's not. Killing it in practice.
0: I, I was gonna say Veroni's shown us more than Josie. I I, I feel like um, it might not be a ton, but do, to answering, uh, I'll ask you, Randy's question. What do you think Veroni has to do to earn these these minutes?
1: I mean, I I I don't know whether he's not showing it off in practice or whether he just needs to kill it in practice. I, that's all I can think of right now because what else can he do at this point? Uh, I, I think giving him you know forty five minutes here that's an opportunity to, to maybe score a goal and prove yourself. And I, I thought he did it. Okay. I thought he did more than Alcidor in this game. I don't think he did enough to you know, start, start forcing his way into the starting lineup, but I think he has to do it in practice, right? I think he needs to just show Bruce, uh, you know, play perform so well in practice that Bruce doesn't have an option. And obviously that hasn't happened yet, but I don't know. I don't know what else he can do at this point. You know, 45 minutes might be enough for him to show something when he's getting three minutes in a game, like he was against Atlanta. That's, that's certainly not going to be enough for him to, to prove it. So I think it has to come in training.
0: Mm-hmm. 13 touches for Vrioni today he was seven for seven on passes two shots one on target although that shot was not too good um and and maybe going back a couple of games ago against Chicago that one-on-one chance where he had with the keeper where he blasted it uh, pretty much straight at the goalkeeper maybe maybe that put him in the doghouse with Bruce so I'm, I'm not totally sure what's happening it seems like attitude wise he's fine and he's saying the right things but um not not good for Vrioni and um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it unfolds. I imagine he's going to get some league cups minute because I, I can't imagine that Bruce has already given up on him. But uh, by the way, it's also worth noting, and I point this out. I think I've said this on the podcast a few times. Rioni's twenty four, so this isn't a situation where we can hold off until next season. He's twenty five. Buxa was sold at twenty five. Uh, Rioni came in a year older than Buxa, so at this point in Buxa's Revolution career, age wise, he was killing it. So he, he, Rioni's a little behind here, and we we got to get him off the ground a little bit. Well, so. and, and I think it's important
1: to remember too that Rioni has a better resume than Buxa did when Buxa came to the Revolution. Rioni was playing at a much higher level and scoring at a, at a better rate. Than So I've said it before, but if anything, you would have thought that Brioni would have had an easier time hitting the ground running because you can make the case. I I think I think a lot of people would argue, including myself, that the the Bundesliga, the Austrian Bundesliga is probably a higher level than MLS. So if anything, this is a little bit of a step down for him, where for Buxa, it was certainly a step up, at, at least just, you know all sorts of other factors weigh in too. You can't, it's not that simple, but if, if anything, it should have been an easier transition for Rioni than Buxa going from the Austrian Bundesliga than from going from the Polish league. hmm
0: hmm Agree a hundred percent. Uh, my key takeaway, I, I'm just going to say with Petrovic is, I would say, the team MVP right now. I think Carlos Hill, we we gave Carlos Hill a lot of praise uh, on our midweek podcast following the Atlanta game. We don't talk about Petrovic enough. Uh, I I thought he had two phenomenal, phenomenal saves in this game. First, a diving save to his right uh, on on a ball that was going to the top corner. He tips that wide. Uh, Then a one-on-one chance uh, where he just gets a hand on it, just tips it why there's there's no reason any goalkeeper should have made that save it was a great shot uh, a great opportunity for New York City FC uh, and he, he saves two points well yeah he saves a point sorry for the revs he takes two points from New York City FC also there was a one-on-one chance in the first half where it was called back due to offsides but again just uh, completely stops a, a point-blank shot from New York City FC um, you know this guy I, I don't know what he's gonna be sold for I know that we hear Liverpool and Manchester United and some some top, top teams looking at Petrovic. Um, I mean, we, we don't we, we appreciate this guy. I feel like we don't appreciate this guy enough because coming into this game, we got all these questions. We get Josie questions. We get Frioni questions. We get all these questions. Um, and I feel like these phenomenal goalkeeper performances from Petrovic, we're kind of just numb to now. And when he's gone... Uh, Good luck to whoever is replacing Petrovic. Uh, You know, the the lineage of Turner to Petrovic to whoever is next. Good luck to whoever is trying to fill this guy's shoes. I I don't know if the bar can be raised any higher. And I have no idea what this... I I think he's going to set a record fee for um, New England Revolution in terms of a transfer fee. I think he's going to top out in his 10 million. So uh, just another phenomenal game by Petrovic. And I feel like we don't appreciate it enough. So I want to take this moment to give a a shout out to uh, Petrovic. And uh, shout out to the team for getting those... Uh, Dunkin' Donuts uh, following the shutout this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Revolution would have lost this game, and I think they would have lost a couple other games this week, if not for Petrovic. He's just been absolutely phenomenal for this Revolution team, and you're right that we've gotten so used to his amazing performances that we don't talk about it enough. But if you take Georgie Petrovic off this team and put in a you know average-level replacement goalkeeper, this is a Revolution team that's you know, fighting for the wooden spoon, I think, rather than, <laughs> rather than being a team that is still somewhat near the top of the Eastern Conference
0: absolutely Um, and before we get into our other listener listener questions we want to take a minute to talk about our sponsor Galasso Kits Galasso Kits mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets scarves and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world they have men's national team merch, revs merch, merch from your favorite European club they have some Vermont green merch up right now Uh, they have everything you could possibly want and need for your closet and if you're not sure of what you want you can check out their mystery kit packages where you enter in your size and style of jersey that you want and like and Galasso will surprise you with the kit of your dreams so go check out GalassoKits.com right now for their full selection make sure you follow them at Kits on Twitter and on Instagram at Kits for updates on their new inventory they have weekly unboxing videos every single week and when you find something you like use promo code Recap to save 15% off your order that is promo code REVSRECAP at ColassoKits.com 15% off your order links and codes are in the show notes Sean let's get to listener questions unless you had anyone else you wanted to highlight or as a, a, a positive or negative on, on the day
1: no, oh, I think one kind of disappointment in this game is the way they set up. You expected more out of Dewan Jones, and I don't think he was as involved in the attack as you would have liked to have been. Um, that was just one guy that kind of stood out to me. Even a lot of stuff came down the left flank, but you thought with this opportunity with the three-man back line that Dewan Jones would have been able to get forward more and get more you know, actively involved in the attack. And I don't think we saw enough out of him in this game offensively.
0: What did you think of the um, structure? Because I, I think a three man back line, three slash five man back line, isn't a terrible idea, especially in a game like this where you kind of have to play defensively. McCoon, I, I didn't, he got kind of burned a little bit sometimes. Uh, the, notably, the one I'm remembering is in the second half on that one on one chance with Petrovic. The guy blows right by him down down there. But, um, you know, I thought a three man back line was great with Farrell sometimes drifting out right and McCoon drifting out left and kind of filling that left back space. Uh, I thought this. Backline was pretty solid overall, and I think the wingbacks of Jones, I think DeJuan Jones was disappointing, but I thought Ima Votang filled that left wingback spot uh, pretty well. What would you think of the formation?
1: Yeah, so I, I didn't like this idea at the beginning of the season when we had a lot of our listeners suggesting it, when you know, Dylan Barrero was healthy, when Brandon Bay was healthy. I do like it now when Dylan Barrero is out and when Brandon Bayer is out. I think it maximizes your ability to get your best players on the field and to play with two strikers. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it made a lot of sense on the small field, uh, and I would like to see them experiment with this more. Uh, again, when everyone's fully healthy, which we're not going to see the rest of the season. I don't I don't love it because I think it doesn't leave you with, with a great place to put Dylan Barrero. but. Given that Dylan Barrero is out the rest of the season, it makes some sense to experiment. And I, I think that there's some merit to trying this um, and, and more games and giving it more of a shot. And, and again, especially when Brandon buy is out, it gives you an opportunity to have Ima Boateng as more of a, a, a wing back and Dewan Jones on the right and forces and, and allows you to not have to play either, you know, McCooner or, or Ben Sweat at fullback, neither which options I, I love. <laughs>
0: I just want to take a minute to kind of highlight the midfield, too. I thought Polster actually played pretty well. He he had some good runs up the field, too. I think the team definitely missed Nolbuck a little bit today. You mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, Bruce mentioned in the post-game press conference that I believe it was a minor calf uh, injury, and Nolbuck made a comment last week about being tired. He's certainly logging a lot of minutes, especially for a teenager. Um, you know, I, I certainly think resting him is really good, both on a performance level for the team and also because this guy's also going to you're going to sell this guy for a huge transfer fee down the line as well. So I think just for his future, it's good to, um, you know, rest him when he needs a rest. So I I think it's very smart for Bruce to rest him here. And it's great that it didn't really cost them at least today. Uh, But Polster, I thought had a a pretty decent game, especially going up blessing. I thought had a little bit better of a game. I know he's had some rough performances, but I do want to highlight one thing. Um, And and here's the good, and and then I'll highlight the bad Polster 92% pass accuracy on the day. Blessing 96% pass accuracy on the day. Uh, I, I thought they were both really, really consistent in being able to move the ball, but great. Ground duels, Polster two for 10, he, you know, used to be where Polster was easily 50% or above. Uh, it was kind of rare that he was below that 50% ground duel percentage, blessing one for eight. So you're two midfielders there, three for 18 in ground duels, uh, not a not a really strong performance uh, defensively from those two. And I think that's most concerning, especially for Matt Polster.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's, those are not numbers you expect to see for Matt Polster, so that it, that is disappointing. Um, I think I think a lot of the guys in the team, you could say, were a bit disappointing in this, especially in the midfield. Um, they just didn't have enough control of this game in the first half, in particular. They were kind of overrun by by New York City FC. Things got better in the second half, but it, it, I guess it, it surprises me that the, to see those numbers from Matt Polster generally, but based on how this game played out, I, I guess it doesn't shock me just from the eye test. Um, but no, it wasn't it wasn't his best performance. Blessing, I thought was better than he'd been in some of the games lately but also not as involved as we would sometimes see him when he's at his best so yes there was some improvement but i still don't think this is the best latif blessing um that we've seen on the revolution or that we've seen in his career
0: Let's move on to some listener questions here. Randy LH, thoughts on the disagreement between Gustavo Bo and Ima Botang at the end and Bo running off the field before everyone else. Trouble in paradise. We just got Gustavo back already uh, rattling some cages. Uh, what was your thought about that altercation at the end of the game?
1: It was weird. <laughs> it was it was very weird. Uh, I- Ima Boateng had a what looked like a decent shot that looked like it was on target. And Gustavo Bo got in the way and blocked it. Gustavo also might have been offsides in that play. I'm not sure. It was questionable. Uh, it, and that was a, a separate frustration for me. This game is, is the number of times that, you know, Bobby Wood, Vironi and, and Bo were all cut off sides. They just couldn't seem to to stay on side, which was frustrating. Um, but no, that was a very weird moment and kind of disappointing to see from a team from this team. You know, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily says anything more about what's going on in the locker room than what just happened there, but um, just not, not a great look at the end of this game and a, and a draw and a hard fought road draw to see, you know, two players going back and forth and then Gustavo Bo kind of making like the talking symbol with his hand. It just, it was just not a great look from, from Bo when his first came back and, um, yeah, I, I, I d I don't know I don't know whether to extrapolate that into being a bigger issue than just what happened on the field, but it, it didn't it didn't look good and got called out on the broadcast by by Twellman, so uh not great.
0: It certainly seemed like the tensions were running high and in, in a way you want that fire between your, your team, but not Not a great look, I I feel like, from Gustavo And He he clearly wasn't at at fault. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense if he was saying, I didn't see the ball coming. I I can't imagine it was intentional. He didn't look like he was trying to backheel the ball or tip the ball in. He just was accidentally in the way. So I would imagine that's going to get sorted out in the locker room, and I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue, Um, but... You know, we'll we'll see. I, I think Bo needs to take accountability. And as someone who is one of the leaders of the team, or at least one of the players you rely on, uh, you hope he he kind of make amends in the locker room, too. By the way, Gustavo Bo, I think he's got to earn a, a be a sponsor or a spokesman or something like that for just for men. I mean, forget about a silver fox. We got the silver panther, huh? Salt and pepper hair everywhere with Gustavo Bo. Do you like the new look?
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess he had a couple months to work on it. So, <laughs> glad 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 that time was well spent
0: he aged 25 <laughs> years during his rehab i was i was stock, shocked myself i I said in the uh bent musket subscriber chat you know i'm glad i'm not the only one getting gray's hair watching gray hair is watching josie altador play soccer um boy I, I, that that was really something uh seeing uh Gustavo Bo come out with his uh salt and pepper hair there but uh, Eddie says Virioni's hold up transition and pressing play has been great the last two games uh, and he got when he got significant time uh the last second chance was a great play from him uh, today uh with that being said over under 5 minutes played next game for Virioni
1: it's well it's i guess it's hard to say but i'd go with the over <laughs> i would like to I mean it's, I would... he's got he's got to get more minutes but at the same time Gustavo Bo is going to be healthier so some minutes are going to go to him and but I don't think I think the way Altidore played in this game I I I don't know it's 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 hard to predict anything but I I would like to think it would be the over.
0: <laughs> it's well we have a home game against Inter Miami next I I think they'll go with a two striker formation. Woods one of them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Bruce prioritizes the minutes because it seems like he's just not prioritizing for Hony so I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Wood and Bow next game get the start and but i i I don't know you you couldn't have convinced me that Josie was ever gonna start a game this season, so um yeah i in in terms of, and I don't know how serious the rest of the comment is or if it was just a setup for this choke, but um Verone did look a, a little bit better he still seems a little <sighs> not gelling with the team um and i i the other thing too is you know this guy isn't great in the air, he's not that fast um he doesn't have elite speed or anything like that or elite aerial ability. I feel like the appeal to him was shot selection and and being able to score and i feel like the last few times we've seen him shoot it's leave left something to be desired uh, i thought his shot on target was not amazing um and it kind of reminded me of the chicago chance from a few weeks ago so when he is getting chances uh, i'm not very impressed so um yeah i i, I don't know i I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more from Brioni. but with that being said i i think getting limited minutes in a 30 minute cameo is just not doing him any good at this point
1: I, th- I think it's a confidence thing. I think we know this guy can finish. He has he has the background. He has the resume. We know he can finish. I think I think it's a confidence thing. And it's not going to come from getting a few substitute minutes here and there. It's going to come from, you know, getting minutes to work it out and put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, yes, he had a couple of goals against Kansas City. He had a goal against Montreal. But you know, then the minutes dried up. He got I forget what he got, hurt again and, and you know, missed a few games. And hasn't been able to get back into the starting lineup with any regularity since. So I think I think he needs a run to find his form. Um, I haven't been particularly impressed with him the past few games. He did have that that play. I think it was against Chicago where he stole the ball and it led to one of the goals there and was unlucky not to get a secondary assist for that. Um, and you know, I I do think he showed more in this game than Altidore did. That's a pretty low bar, uh, but I, I don't think I, there's anything overwhelmingly positive that I've seen recently. You know, again, the efforts there. I think the efforts there. I don't, I don't question his effort. Um, I I just think it's a confidence thing, and I think it's not going to come until Bruce Arena gets some more minutes, and I just don't know when that's going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Andy from Revs Nation says, don't think it was a coincidence. That the moment momentum shifted slightly. Oh, let me start again. Don't think it was a coincidence that the momentum shifted slightly more towards the revs after Bo subbed on. Um, and he also says, what did you think about the Bo-Tang Bo uh, interaction at the end of the match? Bo seemed heated. Um, Bo coming on at the end of the game. I, I also think part of that might have also been because of the red card uh, that was in the closing minutes, but it certainly felt like something changed when Gustavo Bo came on. Uh, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, Gustavo Bozga has had a lot of success against New York City FC in the past, and I think he's a guy that everybody knows can score from anywhere. So if you're defending the revolution, if you're New York City FC in particular, you know what he can do. And you can't you, he's a guy that you have to put attention on, you, that has to draw attention. Rioni hasn't done enough to be that guy yet. I don't think Bobby Wood or Josie Altidore are, are guys that anyone is particularly is overly worried about. Even though Bobby Woods had, you know, has a good scoring record this year, I don't think any of those are guys that you, you single out as needing, you know, multiple guys to cover anytime they get the ball at the feet, you need to immediately pressure them. Gustavo Beau has proven to be one of those guys you need to do that with. So even if he's not at 100% and he's not at 100% sharpness, and I don't I don't think he is. How could he be? Um, will probably take him some time to get that he's just a, he's just a guy that has having his presence on the field is going to draw attention from defenders and is going to open up things for other players out there, so you know i I, I do think subbing him on certainly was a, a benefit to the revolution late and um, maybe allowed some other guys to get more free just because of who he is and the attention that he draws
0: mm-hmm. uh, Cody Hall says what are the odds that Bo leaves after the season in your opinion after that altercation with Ema in my opinion, it's north of ninety percent. I'll I'll take this one, Sean. Even before the interaction with Ema, I think he's one hundred percent gone after this season. I can't imagine he's going to get DP money from the Revs. I, I can't imagine he gets Tam money from the Revs. Um, I, I certainly think that this is a, his last season with the the team. I think it's a little disappointing too that he was such a, um, a key player in the turnaround of the franchise in in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, um, and he's kind of going out injured and with a lot of people feeling he's a liability. I think it's kind of a disappointing end to what was a successful career with Gustavo Bo when he was at his peak. Um but with that being said, I think contract-wise it's up. I don't see the Revs having much interest in re-signing him and dealing with the constant injuries and he's he's already kind of the square peg in the round hole uh, in terms of this formation. So, um even locker room issues aside, I don't I would put the chances of him leaving around 98%. Uh, do you have any argument that Bo is staying after the season?
1: No, and it, it, to me, it has nothing to do with the argument with Bo staying. I would have said the same thing before. It just it, it it doesn't make sense from either party's perspective. The Revolution shouldn't give him you know his contract's up at the end of this year. The Revolution shouldn't give him another DP contract when he's going to be what thirty four next year, and clearly, you know, injuries are an issue for him. I, I think as he's gotten older, his he's never been the fastest guy, but his pace has become even more of an issue for him. It, it's It doesn't make sense. He's not a DP-level player in his age 34 season next year. Uh, you know, maybe if there was a scenario where the Revolution could get him to sign for a TAM contract, That might make sense. It would at least be a better option than having Josie Altador on the TAM contract that he's on. If you could move on from Josie Altador and do that. I don't see Bo agreeing to that. I think he's always made clear that I think at some point he wants to go back to racing um, in in Argentina. And I think that opportunity might present itself when he's a free agent at the end of the season. So I think from both parties perspective, it probably makes sense to to move on. Um, He's been a fantastic player for this team. But just given the age and given the salary, I don't think it makes sense for the revolution to extend him beyond this
0: year. When they're when they're negotiating contracts is going to be completely gray with a bald spot too. I mean, it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna look good from the Rebs if they uh, <laughs> throw a DP contract at them. Uh, Cody also says, how can we go from scoring six goals in two games to zero in this one? Uh, we even had the same lineup as Wednesday, uh, close close to the same lineup as Wednesday. Uh, I I think a lot of it had to do with that field. I, I think this field was pretty tight and uh, it wasn't really that open of a game. It's just not exactly the style I think the Rebs wanted to play. So I, I it, and also. Had yeah, Josie Altidore out there for 45 minutes. That doesn't help anything. So uh, I think those were some key components to why the Revs were held scoreless today.
1: Yeah, those are key components. We didn't have uh, no Buck out there to score a Galazzo in this one. That was we were missing that. They were missing. I thought the set piece service from uh, Carlos Hill was generally poor in this game. So that that was part of the factor. Some of the some of these games where Imabotege has been taking corner kicks, the corner kicks have looked better than some of the ones where Carly Seal has been taking them. So, um, a, a number of factors why they didn't score in this game. But, uh, if you're talking about differences from the past game, I think th- those are two of the, the set piece service when the revs have scored a lot and a lot of set pieces recently was not good in this game. Um, and of course, <laughs> you know, missing the threat of no buck didn't help.
0: I also wonder, I, I made this comment too, in the the blazing musket paid subscriber chat. Um, Carlos Hill had one, I don't know if it was a corner or a cross, where he just went over everyone. I think it was a corner. And then he had a free kick a few minutes later that was short. And then later he's going down the left wing and he kicks it over everyone and Dewan Jones ends up with the ball. And that, that kind of happened in a span of like eight or ten minutes. And I was thinking, are these dimensions or the angle? I know sometimes the... the angle of the field at the stands might mess with a player's head and and their um, depth perception. I'm wondering if Carlos was just thrown off from the Yankee stadium field and kind of surroundings um, because he seemed like his crossing was way off today, not only from corners, but from the run of play. Um, His service just seemed really, really off today. And um, it was a little bit concerning. It was very different from what we've seen in recent games.
1: I'm sure that had an impact, but also, Throughout his time here, I've never been overly impressed with his consistency on corner kicks in particular. I don't know if that's necessarily that much of a strong suit of his game. I know, what was it, the Chicago game where one of his corner kicks was um, ended up, you know, they ended up scoring. He had a secondary assist on that one, I believe. But overall, I don't think his corner kicks, at least consistently, have been all that good. Um, But certainly, there's no question. I think the dimensions of the field seem to have some sort of impact on him in this game and his set pieces in general. I, I just don't think. Overall, he's that great consistently at corner kicks, which can sometimes be frustrating.
0: Uh, funny you mentioned that, too. I was looking through the game notes the other day, and I was every now and then I just looked through the all-time records log with the Rebs. And, uh, oh. This was probably before the Atlanta game, but I believe Carlos Hill was seven corner kicks away from tying the franchise record. Um, I'll have to see if he's surpassed that. I don't think they had many quarter kicks today. I think they only had three or four. And I think they only had three or four against Atlanta. So I'm not sure if he's broken the record yet, but he will be the all-time corner kick taker in revolution history, so um, it's interesting that you're saying these things that he's not that good of a corner kick t- taker. Um, but- I,
1: I'd love to see the stat of how many of them have been converted into goals versus whoever is number two on the list, which I would guess might be Steve Ralston. Um, Surely wins probably up there too, but I would, I would love to see kind of the, the, what percentage of those that were converted into goals. And it's not always just on the corner kick taker; it's also on the you know the options in the box to head it home. But I, I, I don't know; I've just never been all that impressed with his consistency on, on quarter kicks.
0: I was just going to say, I think uh, I'd love to see the consistency with and without Adam Buxa. Um, I, I bet there's some differences in the ability there, because I think this team right now really struggles in the air. Um, I mean, you don't have Henry Kessler anymore. He was an aerial threat. You have Dame Ro- Dave Romney, but I don't think Wood is very tall or a commanding presence. I don't think Frioni a commanding presence. I don't think, think Josie Altidore has ups anymore. Um, you know, who's your aerial threat on a corner kick right now? So, and I, I know they've been doing a lot more short corners lately. I think that's intentional um, and it's it's probably for the best. So uh, Will Farley says, starting to hit the panic button. Ooh, first panic button uh, comment of the year, Sean. Um, Bruce's decision-making in terms of getting this, in, in terms of the starting 11 really concerns me. Josie Altsour had one luck goal, then gets to start. Vrioni gets a brace and then nothing. When do we start to question Bruce? Sean, when are we going to start to question Bruce?
1: I think it's past time to start to question some of his lineup decisions there's been a few games this year where he's made some some weird ones but i mean no doubt we are questioning now on on the josie altidore move and i think it's certainly fair to to question some of the decisions he made when we get all these questions about why josie altidore started you know had bruce not coached josie for all those years with the u.s national team would he be starting these games um and you know I'll ask you this question: If Josie Alster hadn't scored that goal against Chicago in stoppage time, that was you know somewhat somewhat fluky. He swung and whiffed and hit his plant leg and went in. Do you think do you think he starts this game?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think that Chicago goal changed anything because it was a fluke goal. I mean, Bruce knows that, don't you think? It shouldn't.
1: It shouldn't change anything. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure it shouldn't change anything. But I I, I I he probably still starts this game based on his relationship with Bruce.
0: I I don't think that changed anything, but it, I. I can't also tell you what Bruce sees in him. He sees something that I don't, so I can't give you too much.
1: At some point, it's got to be a little bit of a trust thing, right? Because he's coached Josie for all these years, and there's got to be some level of trust there that he doesn't have with Frioni yet, and maybe that's kind of clouding his his judgment when it comes to making this type of lineup decision.
0: Yeah, and and I'd say, well, you know, with Rioni, maybe he doesn't make the right runs, or maybe he doesn't gel with the team. But I don't think Josie does either. So uh, yeah, maybe it's just a familiar familiarity with with Bruce. But I don't know, Bru- yeah, I, I I can't tell you. I don't know. I'm I'm totally clueless on this one. in in, in the Josie thing, it's really really frustrating. And I mean i I'd, I'd rather play Justin Renick because Justin Renick can press. You know what I mean? Like Justin Renick can run. What what is what does. Justin Rennicks can get around someone one-on-one. Uh, Josie can't do that. So I, well, if, I, if,
1: if Josie's winning zero, zero aerial duels in a match, then I don't know what he's offering.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I'm totally clueless on the Josie thing. Anyway, not to not to get down that road too much again, but uh, Will also says, also worry Bruce is going to begin to lose the locker room due to this. Players talk both good and bad. That little tantrum between Ema and Bo in the end worries me about the climate in the locker room. Ema yelling at Bo in his first game back is a bad look. I, I think those are... Uh, Good points, but again, I think it's more of an optics thing than a locker room thing. Um, but you, you know, as you mentioned, is do players feel that Bruce has favorites with Josie and you know playing Josie over Vrioni? I don't know. I don't know. Really confusing. Uh, Matt Claman says I'm a little concerned about how integrating Bo back in the lineup will work. Vrioni's inconsistent playing time is one thing, but do you th- what do you think is the ideal forward group with? But do you think the ideal forward group with- will ever play to its full potential? This year, um, I'll I'll take this one first, Sean. I'm going to say no because I think Bo's injury is going to really limit them. I think in theory, Rioni and Bo is your striker pairing. I, I think Bo's injuries are going to really slow him down, and you're going to have to have him on a minutes count. And maybe you play him in a super sub role for a little bit. And I don't know what's going on with Rioni, so I don't know if they're going to go with the single striker with Wood um, when when they get a little bit healthier and kind of maybe play four two three one. Uh, but um, I, I think the ideal pairing of Rioni and Bo is not happening. I, I think it's going to be Wooden Bo, and even then, I, I think Bo's injury issues will linger throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I also don't know that the ideal striker pairing ends up being Bo and Rioni for reasons we talked about in the past. I, I'm just not sure that their two styles are that complementary of each other in the Revolution system. Um, at, at some point, they need to try it and figure that out. But I'm, I'm not sure that that is the case. So I, I don't I don't know when we'll ever see the ideal revolution striker pairing. I don't know what the ideal revolution striker pairing is. But again, given the injury history is given, like like you pointed out, Gustavo Bo's age and, and his situation. Um, you know, are we going to ever see all these guys fully healthy at the same time? Is, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I just I want to go quickly go back, though, just to the, the locker room. Uh, issue question and I, you know despite what we saw from Bo and Boateng, this, you know, and despite the fact that I think it's a bad look, I I'm, I would not say that I think there's a locker room issue yet. Anyways, because you know, I don't think you see a team do what this Revolution team did in Atlanta, where they blew that lead and still had the effort and energy and drive to come back and get that equalizer. Um, you know, similar to that Chicago game where they you know came back and and got that late equalizer in that game I think a team that has issues in the locker room or at least serious issues in the locker room probably folds in those situations it doesn't come back and, and get those results so I at this point I wouldn't be concerned about the locker room but uh, certainly, something to keep an eye on based on what you saw with the, the bow and bow and tank situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, on, uh, no wins in the last six games across all competitions. Certainly, three draws in the last couple of games, and they've certainly scrapped out a few points. Uh, but concerning that they've gone this long without a win. Uh, what now? Really says that was a discour- discouraging matchup. Neither team played well. Schedule and injuries hurt. I'd like to blame Yankee Stadium, but there's more to it. Uh, why weren't Buck and Sweat in? He also says, "What's Frioni's deal?" We've talked about Frioni a lot, so let's focus on Buck and Sweat. Buck, minor injury. Um, I think he, they're resting him and and kind of keeping him out for the time being, so he's available next week. I think that's a fine decision by Bruce. I'm totally okay with it. But but Ben Sweat missing from action. Um, you a little surprised about that?
1: No, I just don't think he's good. I think that's the problem. I, I don't. I think there was a reason he got waived by Kansas City, and I, I think it was probably a mistake for Bruce Arena to bring him in. He hasn't looked good in his appearances for the Revolution. His limited appearances, and I, I you know, I, I think if he was the player that Bruce Arena was hoping he would be, we would have seen him in one of the games this week with Brandon Buyout and with the Revolution playing three games in a week. So, uh, unfortunate in the Buck situation that he was hurt, and and I think it was smart for the Revs not to risk playing him. But I think with Ben Sweat, it's just simply he's not as good as they hoped he'd be when they brought him in. Um, And I'm not sure that necessarily should have been a surprise.
0: Mm -hmm. Related to the left-back position, I agree with you, by the way, 100% there. I I think Ben Sweat, in the minutes that we've seen him, did not really shine, uh, to say the least. bit of an odd move, but Tyler O'Brien kind of touching on that, not necessarily related to the game we just watched, but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on when slash if Ryan Spaulding gets called back from his loan. He has been very good for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and the full back depth on this team does not leave a lot to be desired. Ben, uh, ben Sweat basically came in and they loaned Ryan Spalding out to Tampa Bay. Ryan Spalding, I believe, was on the team of the month for USL. He had four assists in his first six games. A lot of people who follow USL on the Tampa Bay Rowdies are speaking his praises right now. Sean, do you think there's a chance Ryan Spaulding gets recalled from loan uh, for the New England Revolution?
1: Yeah, I think, I think he's leading the, the USL Championship in assists right now, right? Or tied for the lead, or, or was at least as of a, a couple weeks ago.
0: Ga- games uh, are going on right now, so I, I yeah. don't want to say that as at, a fact. At some
1: point, he was tied for the lead, I believe. Which, Earlier, which this early Earlier this week. Earlier
0: this week, he was tied, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, if he wasn't recalled this week with Brandon Bay out... I I think it would take more injuries to the fullbacks for him to be re- recalled. I don't think I don't expect him to be recalled unless, you know, maybe Ben Sweat gets hurt. So they need somebody on the bench or, and, you know, knock on wood, the worst case scenario, DeWan Jones gets hurt and they you know, need more bodies. But if if he wasn't recalled this week with Brandon buyout and with the three games in a week, I don't expect him to be recalled unless there's even more injuries.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I also think it's. I mean, they have options. They can go with McCoon at left back, which is not great. They can move Farrell out to right back and play Omar or McCoon at center back. That's not great. They can play Ben Sweat. That's not great. So they have a lot of not great options here um, in terms of who to match up with Dewan Jones, whether it's on the right or the left side. But I think one thing that's important for Ryan Spaulding is he wasn't getting minutes with the Revs. I don't think Bruce really trusted him. Bruce played John Bell and Christian McCoon at left back over him last year. He's getting minutes at the USL Championship level. He's played USL League One. He's played at a few other levels, but he's never played USL Championship soccer before. I think it's really important for him as a young player to get those minutes. So uh, I think we're, I'll say, stuck with Ben Sweat. um, But I I don't think Bruce rated him too much, and I think they're using this season... As a what do we do with Ryan Spalding And how can he deal with the USL championship And he's passing those tests so far So I, I think he might earn his backup left back spot On next year's roster But I think right now they want to leave him alone And they want to get him minutes And get him a lot of soccer right now And calling him up for maybe one or two games And a spot start I don't know if that's the best thing for his development I think young players need to get there, those minutes So even though he's doing great And even though the Revs have not a ton of great options right now I think we're writing we're it out um, And also I'm afraid if you call him back does that cause a bit of a cluster on the, the roster? Then you have Ryan Spalding and Ben Sweat sitting there. It's, it's, it's a bit of a mess. So um, I, I think Ryan Spalding is staying down in Tampa Bay for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, it's a much higher level than Revs too, and he's playing really well there. So it's, it, I think it is very good for his development to get regular minutes playing at the USL Championship level. And like you said, better him to be there than to be up here and and maybe play one game and then go back to the bench and and not get any minutes. So for his development, and I think for the Revs long term, it's probably better that he stays down there. But uh, personally, I think I'd be more confident with him. Up here, playing left back, then uh, the other options you mentioned of, you know, moving Farrell back to fullback or Ben Sweat or moving McCoon out to fullback. But long term it's probably best for all parties that Ryan Spalding stays down yeah. in a USL championship, continues to be an everyday player there and continues to build his confidence and his skills.
0: There's a long rant, too. That I, I don't want to go too long on this episode, but, you know. Bruce, the manager, is being failed by Bruce, the GM, big time here. Because you look at the outside back. I mean, I, I listed Ben Sweat. You bring in Ben Sweat really just to be a backup left back, and then you're not playing him when you need a left back. Uh, Joshua Bulma, they traded up to get Joshua Bulma. Is he an eight? Is he a winger? They decide to develop him as a right back. I mean, I, I don't want to take a, a victory lap here, but I think game three or four of this season, I pointed out Bulma wasn't even in the, the 18, and that was a massive red flag. I mean, you, Bruce seems to have totally given up on Joshua Bulma. I mean, he doesn't seem like an option at right back. I don't think he is a right back, but you know, maybe in a five man back line, maybe you could put him as the right wing back and put Dewan Jones on the, the left side. So um, but it, that doesn't seem to be an option. So Bruce has brought in outside backs that he doesn't really seem to have a lot of faith in and, and don't seem to be very good quality. So um, and and we can also point out, you know, Josie Omar McCune um, you, you can say Latif There's a lot of players that Bruce has brought in in the past two years that just really haven't worked out. And when you have injuries, you know, obviously, you know, if you don't have your your top guys, you're not going to be as well. But, you know, the depth that Bruce has brought in has has really not been sufficient to hold it together. So I I think that's really the outside back is the position at most where you you, you can kind of highlight it as, boy, this is just a complete mess right now.
1: Well, and we've been talking about it long before Brandon Baye got hurt, is that you look at this roster, and Bruce Arena did a lot to improve the depth this season, but the depth at outside back got worse. When A.J. De La Garza retired, and I think last year you could already say that this team didn't have good depth at fullback, but with A.J. De La Garza retiring, it got even worse, and the options now are worse options than you know an A.J. De La Garza at the end of his career. So praise Bruce all you want for the— Players that he brought in to help shore up different areas of the field, that was an area that he ignored. And then he brought in Ben Sweat late in the season when he became available off the waivers and might have been better off not doing that and keeping that roster spot open for somebody else.
0: Maybe when AJ Delegars' uh, team is knocked out of the soccer tournament, maybe Bruce gives him a call and asks him if he's got uh, another few months in him. Actually, uh, on that note, Claude Yelna's team was knocked out, so maybe, maybe that's an option for left back.
1: Claude Deanna and Wilfred Zahibo were on the same team. So, you know, if you need more depth in central midfield, too. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
0: and if you haven't seen it, if you're on Twitter, go to Seth McComber's um, uh, Twitter feed and scroll down and look for the Claude Yelna. I mean, he is just blasting free kicks as hard as he can uh, at these 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 poor amateurs uh, in this seven-on-seven seven tournament. Uh, I mean, he almost killed someone. But, man, I forgot how strong his left foot. It, it still is uh, a strong left foot. So, um, What now really says, what is Carlos's secret for surviving beatings every match? Wild how often he gets hit and it doesn't get called for a while. Love seeing Carlos do the pregame interview in English. Intimidating when it's not one's first language uh thanks and kudos to him uh it seemed a little uh much today I-, I thought the refereeing was pretty inconsistent overall there was also a tackle on juan jones where luckily he got his leg out of there but uh, his leg got caught between someone's uh, slide tackle and in-, in between both legs it could have been pretty ugly uh could have made the outside back um position a, a-, a lot worse for the revs but uh carlos Hill, especially today um took a took a bit of a beating uh, and uh Hopefully he's he's fine after this game. He always is, but uh, boy, refereeing not 100% today.
1: Yeah, I've, I've called out Carlos before for letting the refs get to him too much and, and getting too distracted and arguing with the referees, but in this game I actually agree with him. Uh, it was a bit much the amount of times he was fouled in this game, and there should have been more yellow cards for persistent infringement. Uh, there was no yellow card given New York City FC until the 81st minute, which is just ridiculous given the way they were fouling Carlos' heel throughout this one. As far as him how he manages to kind of keep going after all this, well – he, he has been injured a number of times, so he doesn't always manage to keep going after all of this. It was fortunate that he came out of this game and managed to play the full 90 because there were a couple times where he was you know, limping a bit and, and looked like you, know, you had your fingers crossed that he wasn't going to have to leave. So um, good for him for making it to the end of this match, and you hope there's no lasting damage from the, the amount of fouls he took in this game. But I, I agree with you. I, I Like I said, I've, I've called out Carlos before for arguing with the referees, and this one I felt, I felt it was very justified the way this game went.
0: And you know that field a lot of slipping and sliding today. Um, I don't don't like complaining about the field too much, especially when we play on uh, Gillette Stadium turf. But a a lot of sliding in that Yankee Stadium turf today, so it's good that no knees went the wrong way or anything like that. So Uh,
1: it's it's awful watching soccer played at Yankee Stadium. It just and the whole this whole game the game was poor we talked about that already but the the broadcast quality wasn't great either not not saying the broadcast team but the the camera work in this game wasn't great there were times where the ball was out of the frame um, so i don't know if that's a product of yankee stadium or what but adding to the fact that the field looked like crap because you're playing on a baseball stadium having that on top of it and having a at least the first half a pretty poor game um, it was it was not my favorite game to watch this season
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and also tom bogart i believe pointed out on twitter that the var station At Yankee Stadium is just like a fold up table uh, on the sideline, which uh, is pretty funny as well. So, Evan Ryan says three straight draws, three straight matches. We didn't deserve a point. Actually, I I agree with that, by the way. I mean, I I know we talked about Petrovic standing on his head. Expected goals today, according to football, 1.5 to 0.65. New York City FC outshot him 17 to 12. Um, Possession was 54 46 for New York City FC. Shots on target 5 to 2. Uh, New York City FC also rocketed a shot off the woodwork on top of the the beautiful saves that Petrovic was forced to make. So um, I, I do think New York City FC, I, I think they could feel like they deserved three points on the day. So I do want to just kind of point that out. I don't think we've talked a little bit too much. Better than the Atlanta game, but I still think New York City FC um, probably outplayed the Rebs today. Uh, but uh, Evan goes on to say, uh, what's it seriously going to take for this team to have a killer instinct and go out there and win? The mentality of this team is awful. Ever since Pittsburgh, this team's effort has been awful. He also says, fire Bruce, sell Bo, sell Vrioni. If you want this team to ever have another shot at MLS Cup, it starts with those three. Um, this is my mistake because I said we haven't gotten a Bruce out comment in a while on the midweek show. So obviously we're going to have one here. Uh, mentioned it on the midweek show. Bruce is not going anywhere. I don't think Bo is any- going anywhere. Maybe Vrioni goes out on loan um if he, he really wants minutes but i i think that's unlikely at this stage um so I, I i think we're stuck with those three uh but with that being said any any thoughts on the uh, instinct of this team and the team's mentality right now sean I, I think we talked about the locker room a little bit but any thoughts on that
1: yeah i mean i talked about it you know a while ago and about a week ago now it seems like a while ago that there's a lack of identity when you know, with all these guys that are out injured, and they haven't found out or haven't figured out what their best eleven is or what their best formation is, and you know, a, a part of that is all these injuries they've had have made it very hard to do that. Um, I, it is a you know a very fair point, and one that should be made that I don't think, you know, they were they were the worst team in this game. They were the worst team. And the Atlanta game, they were lucky to escape both those games with a point. Uh, I think Atlanta and New York City FC will both probably feel like they should have won those games, and uh, you can look at the statistics, rightfully so. Going back to the Chicago game, I think the Revolution were the better team in that game. Um, defensive mistakes uh, you know, cost them, but that was probably a game that the Revolution were the better team on the day. Uh, but the last two games, certainly, the Revolution were outplayed, um, and uh, there are there is a lot of things this Revolution team needs to figure out. With that said, they do have a lot of injuries. They haven't been able to figure out what their best formation is what their best style is at this point and they're still managing to grind out results and difficult road venues it's it's very difficult to play in atlanta that's always a, a tough venue to play in new york city have seen the revolution have always had trouble there it's always very difficult to play in yankee stadium so while it's disappointing and there's worrying signs from from these two games there are positives that you can take and that the revolution managed to grind out a point in two very difficult venues despite missing some key players and missing a lot of key players so um yeah, I, I, we still don't know what this team's identity is. And that's something they're going to have to figure out, especially with you know, Dylan Burrow out for the season and with guys hopefully starting to get healthy as, as the season goes on. But I don't know, not, not a great answer to that question. But um, I, I, I think you just have to kind of put things in the context that the Revolution have been missing a lot of guys these past two games. They've been tough road games and the Revolution have been outplayed, but they've still managed to grind out results. And I don't think you grind out those results if there's serious locker room issues um, going on with this team.
0: They need some home cooking, I think. For the last five games, have been on the road at Miami, at at uh, Philly, at Atlanta, at New York City. Um, hopefully, a home game boosts this team, and ho- you, you feel like three maybe, in a row. Yeah, maybe maybe if they get a, a three points here. But I also would have said the the time to get a nice win is at home against Chicago, uh, which is in the middle of that road trip, which they ended up uh, drawing three three. So hopefully, we turn it around. But um, yeah, I, I think. It's we need a boost here. Uh, Mike Collins also kind of points that out. I get injury, but it seems more than that. This is not where we should be. Bruce said uh, we would be where we wanted to be by now. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think injuries have really damaged the psyche of this team. And I think you have ever-changing tactics, ever-changing lineups. Um, and I, I think they're really just trying to hold it together until this team gets healthy again. And hopefully the mentality gets a little bit better and uh, the wins start coming. Uh, it's just
1: a lot, there's a lot of areas on the field where I feel like chemistry is really important, and one of those being the center-back pairing, and there's been a lot of changes there with first Kessler going down, and then you know Bruce shifting Farrell to the right in one game, and having Omar in there, and then this game playing a three-man back line, so that's been kind of lacking some of these recent games. The center of the midfield chemistry is extremely important, and I feel like Matt Polster and Noel Buck have actually developed some really good chemistry uh, when they've both been out there, and then, of course, Noel Buck gets hurt and misses this game, and then, of course, up top when you're Playing two strikers, having two guys that know how to make runs off of each other and combine is really important, and they definitely don't have that. Uh, We haven't seen any of that, so uh, you know it's it's a lot of excuses to give the team that maybe they don't deserve all that many excuses, but. Um. I, again, I think it's too early to to tell what this team is going to be because of how many guys have been out injured, and because we don't, we still don't know, um, you know what this team's best eleven is and what this team's best tactics are. And with all that said, it's very worrying that we're this far into the season and we don't know that. And it's very worrying that we've had this many injuries on this team. But I, I think there are reasonable excuses that this team has for not being at their best uh, in this recent stretch.
0: Mhm. Uh Peter says there are 7 games left before League's Cup, 5 at home. What's our ceiling/floor slash for the standings by the time the tournament starts? Uh let me just roll through quickly. Uh those 7 games, it is home versus Inter Miami, home versus Orlando, home versus Toronto, on the road at Cincinnati, on the road at New York Red Bulls, and then you have what is that, 5, and then you have uh, home versus Atlanta United, home versus DC United, and then you play League's Cup in July 2022. Um ceiling floor I don't know if you're catching up to Cincinnati Cincinnati's at 36 points as of this recording they have a game in hand um and then behind them is Nashville at 28 points with a game in hand and then you have Philadelphia 27 with a game in hand and then you have New England uh 27 at 16 games Atlanta is three points behind you. Columbus is six points behind you with a game in hand. Charlotte, six points behind you. Uh, And then DC United at 20 points, Uh, Orlando city also at 20 points with two games in hand. So I I think they're going to be around where they are right now. Ceiling. Maybe you get to the second spot since that's within striking distance, but I'm not so sure about that. You'd have to really rack up the wins. And I I don't see that with the injuries and their current form, Um, the floor. I don't know how far they can drop, but I mean, I, it's not out of the question for them to be a seven or eight seed by the time leagues cup goes, uh, gets going. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. And just to clarify, when we're talking about games in hand, we we're recording this before the night games on Saturday. So, so we're, we're, we're working off the standings after the revolution game with New York city, but before the night games. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. They're not catching Cincinnati. I think, I think we can put that up before leagues cup. Anyways, we can, I think we can safely say that. Um, you know, if everything goes very well, they could move up as far as second, uh, and if everything goes very poorly, they could, you know, potentially move down to a, a seven or eight seed. W- with with that said, you know, I think a home game against Miami is one the Revolution should expect three points out of. They're going to have a full week's rest. They, that's a game that they need three points out of. You look at the Orlando game at home. Um, that is going to be a very interesting game because it sounds like Georgi Petrovic is not going to be there because he got called up to the national team. So the revolution better figure things out because they're not going to be, rely- be relying on Petrovic to bail them out in that game. Uh, that, that'll that be one to watch for, for that reason alone. Um, Toronto is a team that maybe is starting to figure things out. Maybe not. They've had all sorts of issues. That's another game where the revolution get three points. So there are three home games in a row where if the revolution can somehow take three points out of all of them, which again should be possible. I think everyone's going to feel a lot better about this team. Uh, And then, you know, going back on the road, who knows what's going to happen. They play play Cincinnati on the road on July 1st, as you pointed out, Uh, given how good Cincinnati has been, that'll be a a game. Everyone has on their calendar as one to watch. And that'll tell us a lot about how good this team is. And, you know, they have a month to kind of figure things out before then. Um, But yeah, I think ceiling going to Leeds cup second floor, uh, moving down to one of the, 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 bottom playoff seeds, um and you know anywhere in between
0: <laughs> i don't see a total losing streak happening here no. um so I, I, I think they'll be around where they are right now. I can't imagine they're going to fall below Montreal or, you know, Red Bulls. or I, 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 There are some teams down there at 17, 19 points that unless they catch fire and, and I, I, it would take a, a big losing streak for the Revs and five out of seven home games, I, I think, is pretty solid. Uh, so they should turn the ship around, but we'll see if they do. TSB 11, congrats on Buck for gra- Noel Buck for graduating. How much did we miss him today, Sean?
1: I think they missed him a lot today, and, and part of that is going back to what I said, the, the combination between him and Poulster in midfield has really built some chemistry there, and the two of them you know, know when one should go forward and one should stay back, and that's worked really well for the revolution you know, since they've kind of figured that out, so I think, I think they missed him a lot today.
0: Agree 100%, and we'll end with a comment here from Paulo S. Uh, he says, what did you guys think about Bo? We talked about Bo a little bit. He says, I thought he looked good in the brief time he played. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Bruce Arena got the 11 and the subs right for a change today. Uh, I think he's in the minority opinion there. Uh, I, I think Josie is the big one, but overall, I thought the tactics were were fine. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier. He also says, D was solid as a whole. McCoon did well filling in, uh, but Petro, man of the match, uh, heel doesn't look 100%. Yet, So uh, comment quick there from Paulo and, and Sean, I want to end on one thing here. Um, we did this on the midweek episode where we got a question on between Arby's and I think it was Bertucci's. Uh, what restaurant was this game? Uh, I like that question. I kind of want to do it today. Um, and I'm popping this on you in the moment. So just out of curiosity, what chain restaurant was this game today? Oh
1: man, <laughs> that's that's a so is is this scale saying that Arby's is the worst chain and Bertucci's is the best?
0: I believe so. Oh, it also well. could just be two random restaurants <laughs> that Sunday afternoon fullbacks picked.
1: Well, I would take some some. Uh, I, I would question that scale, but
0: <laughs> well, what what do you think this? What do you think the bottom and the top of the scale is? Uh,
1: I mean, I've actually never been to an Arby's, so that could be the bottom. I just I'm also not a huge Bertucci's fan,
0: but. All right, well, Mr. Picky over here. This guy eats at good restaurants. Okay, on a scale of the bad being a Tom Quinlan steak and the top being a really good hot dog, where would you put this game?
1: uh slight slightly above a tom clement steak but very pretty close
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll do the chain restaurant game this is a game that no one was looking forward to it was crap the whole way through uh and you you end up leaving full uh of just total crap uh this was a golden corral uh this was a golden corral game that uh i never want to revisit so that's my that's my chain restaurant game of the week sean where can people find you on twitter
1: you can find me at Sean Al on Twitter. I did have one final thought though that you made me think thought. of you made me think of um, as you were giving that last comment and that was just Christian McCoon. we didn't talk much about him, but he's one of the guys that I actually thought performed pretty well in this game in that center back role. He had some some key plays, some key blocks. I've been pretty negative on him on this podcast. I don't like him as a left back. I don't think I like him as a defensive midfielder, but I thought in a three-man back line as a center back, he actually looked pretty good in this game. So I did want to give him some credit before he wrapped up because I thought this was perhaps his best performance as a Revolution player. And there's not too many guys in this game that I want to give credit to. So so I did, I did want to give him a quick shout out before I wrapped up.
0: Uh, I, I still think he got burned on that uh, one-on-one breakaway down there at the end. But I agree with you. I think Oh, he's three, not perfect. <laughs> a, a three-man center back is, I, I think, a good spot for him. And as I say, he can move into the left-back space when Ema is up. Uh, Farrell can kind of move over to the right and he can shift to the center. Uh, I, I, I think a McCoon, Farrell, Romney, three-man center back line might be a, a good way to move forward if Bruce wants to revisit this 3-5-2 or... What, you know, flex formation, Uh, although I I think we might go back to the four man back line going back home. I I think this was a New York City FC tight field special. But uh, real quick, McCoon, 81 percent passing on the day, 39 for 48. Uh, He did have a block shot, 65 touches, eight passes into the final third, which is pretty good for a center back. Uh, He was four for eight on long balls, three for five on tackles, one block, five clearances, two headed clearances, two interceptions, three recoveries. And he was five for six on ground duels. O for three on aerial duels. Overall, I, I thought a pretty good game from McCoon uh, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him in a three man back line as a center back slash left back in the future. So, um, Sean, did you did you tell people where they can find you on social media? I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll move on then. You can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap, and be sure to follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure to follow our friends at the Blazing Musket on Twitter at the Blazing Musket, or and oh, sorry, and follow their work online at theblazingmusket.com on their Substack for year-round coverage. Be sure you subscribe to them for free or paid. Either one, you get all of their year-round coverage and all of the revenues into your email inbox. You don't have to go search for it. It is very, very convenient. So go check them out at theblazingmusket.com on Substack. Also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion on Twitter at The Rebellion on Twitter, and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them. Be sure to check out our sponsor Glasso Kits and use our promo code Revs Recap for fifteen percent off your order. And of course, Bet Online, be sure you use promo code Believe B L E A V for a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. And of course, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Be sure to rate and review us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening. It helps people looking for Revs content find us. So thank you very much much everyone will be back following next week's home game against inter miami until then thank you everyone for listening and go revs